1: Welcome to episode 38 of the really Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, and I'm joined by my co-host, the man, the myth, and always a legend, Aaron Riley. Aaron, uh, obviously a lot to talk about tonight, coming off of Super Bowl 55, in which neither of us really enjoyed the outcome. Uh, you know, if you're living under a rock uh, and listening to this podcast for some reason, Brady won his seventh Super Bowl in his 10th try. Uh, the Bucks defense dominated from start to finish. Uh, final score is thirty-one to nine. Chiefs, Mahomes, Andy Reid, insert name from that organization disappeared uh, in the big game at the worst time possible. Um, we're going to dive into it all, folks. Uh, but first of all, Aaron, how are we doing tonight?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think Dan summarized the, uh, the Super Bowl already. Uh, we might just have to <laughs> wrap up, up the shop. show there. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm I'm hanging in there. Uh, just like you alluded to, not not the result uh, either of us wanted, but Here we are uh, after just another Super Bowl and and a weird Super Bowl because of, obviously, the COVID-plagued year. But at the end of the day, they got through the NFL season, and, and at least I guess you can say that's an accomplishment.
1: It's certainly an accomplishment. I, I think the league came out today and said they had, you know, thousands of thousands upon t- thousands of tests and only a couple hundred positives throughout the year. Um, you know, One way or another, Goodell was going to drag this across the finish line. I was secretly hoping they'd push it back a week so we could get the day off or I could get the day off <laughs> after, which would be President's Day, which is next Monday. Uh, that would have been kind of cool, I thought. But either way, pretty cool that the, the NFL season gets under – uh, you know, gets over with, um, kind of without a hitch, in, in at least in the last few weeks of the playoffs. Um, we'll get into the COVID scare the Chiefs had earlier in the week with uh, their barber testing positive, which is kind of crazy. But uh, we'll touch on it all, folks. We'll get into some Wentz and Donald rumors as well. We'll get into halftime show, refs, commercials. We'll take you through it um, throughout the whole nine yards. But uh, let's get into today's topics.
0: And now for today's topics.
1: All right, folks. Super Bowl. Um, like I said, Bucks Chiefs. Bucks thirty-one. Chiefs nine. Aaron. Uh, honestly, where do we where do we want to start? Do we want to take the listeners through the game, start to finish, then touch on the Bucks, then touch on the Chiefs? What What are we thinking, my friend?
2: Yeah, it's, we we can run it down that way. I mean, that score pretty much tells you the the story. But you know, there there was a lot more to it than that. There were uh, it was pretty chippy as well. I thought. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see uh, Tyron Matthew run up to Brady and uh, obviously yell some expletives. And then, you know, apparently, you know, you can kind of put together what Brady said back. Uh, there was definitely an F-bomb or two or three in there. So, you know, always fun to see people jar. And, and uh, you know, but but we can, uh, yeah, we can start uh, first quarter and, and go from there and, and break down really the whole the whole picture of what, you know, what we saw on Sunday.
1: I knew it was going to be bad from from the start. In my prop bets, I had the coin toss being tails. Tails never fails. Everyone knows that it goes heads. Obviously, uh, I also had the under in the national anthem under two minutes because the last I think three out of four years, <laughs> uh, the under is hit. Uh, I, I I did not realize until the day of that there were actually two national anthem singers. One was playing guitar and singing. The other was kind of copying Whitney Houston. And, and obviously. Once I figured that out, it was kind of game over for me, like 10 to 15 <laughs> seconds in. So right from my first two props of the game, I kind of knew it wasn't going to start off well for me. Uh, I think the first quarter in any Super Bowl, I, I think outside of that Super Bowl with uh, you know the Broncos Seahawks, I think it was 2013 when the, when uh, Peyton Manning fumbled the football like 30 seconds into the game in Seattle Square. I feel like every first quarter to me is almost like a feel out. Uh, you're kind of seeing what the game plan is. You're kind of seeing some adjustments that are made, kind of seeing what guys are Throwing at you saw on film, things like that. So, to me, I know the Bucks were up early. I know they scored, uh, I believe, in their first quarter to go up early. So, I, I didn't really, I didn't really think much of it. And, and Aaron and I touch on this off air as well. Like, obviously, the Bucks are up after the first half. I was not worried about the Chiefs whatsoever. Um, clearly, I was rooting for the Chiefs since I hate Tom Brady. Uh, you know, as a longtime Jets fan, like. I don't want to hear all the bullshit of you have to respect greatness. He has seven rings. I really do not give a shit. I hate the guy. I will always hate <laughs> the guy. Uh, so I was vehemently rooting for the chiefs, but to me, first quarter, always sort of a feel out. Um, usually a quarter. I mean, they played in week six. I think Tyreek Hill had like 150 yards receiving in the first quarter. So to me, I was kind of expecting some fireworks um, and we can get into schematics and everything like that, but, just the fact that the Bucks all game just able to run four guys, you know, in the pass rush, drop seven back, double Tyreek Hill, uh, and basically only leave Kelsey open in the middle really hurt the Chiefs' game plan. I thought uh, Mahomes right from the get-go was running all over the place, not really able to to establish the fun, uh, establish the run with edwards Um, not really able to. I mean, Le'Veon Bell don't even think saw the field, so to me, you kind of saw, I guess, a microcosm of the rest of the game for the chiefs. I thought the Bucks started a little bit slow, but then, you know, started to turn things around, but what, what can you kind of take away from that first quarter? And was that basically a uh, sort of a microcosm for the rest of the game?
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, what the the chiefs, I'm pretty sure went down first, first drive and, and kicked them. No, they both punted. They both punted to start the game. I, I'm forgetting most of the game because it's, it's just so frustrating to me at this point. But, uh, yeah, I remember, uh, you know, both of them punting to, to start the game, both the first drives there. Um, I just thought Kansas City, it looked problematic from the start only because, um, you know, obviously you, you mentioned Mahomes not having much time to, to really make any type of decisions. He had to get rid of the ball as fast as possible. Um, then I, I saw Kansas City, I, and I don't want to say so much in the first quarter, but throughout the game, they would try and throw these little like sideline passes to Tyreek Hill and, uh, yeah. um, you know, countless other receivers on that team. And, and it like went absolutely nowhere every single time. And uh, it was frustrating me to no end. Um, like you said, they, they couldn't really establish the run they got. Ended up like seven yards of carry with, with Hyde, but uh, they just didn't really go to it that often. And I think they knew that they were gonna have hard a hard time pass protecting, and they were trying to work through that no matter like what Tampa Bay was sending at them. Um, but it, it just Mahomes wasn't protected. I, I think there were too many drop passes, really. And every team's gonna drop passes from time to time. But you know when you got a guy running for his life, you gotta at least catch the ball. And on multiple occasions, there were there were times where I remember Kelsey dropped one. Um, you know, countless other times yep. there were there were drops in that first half and throughout the game. And, and I don't know, it just looked like the Chiefs came out pretty flat other than um, the defense making that, that fourth down and goal stop uh, in, the, in the first half, which I thought was going to lead to at least something. Um, yep. But it really didn't, didn't solve anything on the offensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, Mahomes was sacked three times on to Brady's one sack. Uh, once again, I mean, if Brady gets all, and, and Dan and I both are, you know, well, well-documented that we don't like Tom Brady on this, on this podcast. Never will. And uh, and, uh, excuse me, but he, he all game long, he had all, all day to throw, um, Kansas city, like I said, only really knocked them down that for that one sack, they got in his face a little bit, but not even enough to throw him off, off kilter there. And, and, you know, it, it's hard to defend, uh, Leonard Fournette all game long at least on Tampa Bay, maybe not on Jacksonville, but somehow he has found a spark and, you know, has now turned himself into Jerome Bettis for whatever reason, but <laughs> uh, yeah, they were running the ball at will. Um, you know, Kansas City, one one of the things we'll get into as well, I know is the penalties were atrocious and I, I think the refs get into it. really get
1: into it, my friend,
2: um, you know, I, I, I'm going to put most of those penalties on the, on the refs. I'm not going to say Kansas City committed most of those penalty, penalties throughout At least the first half, I mean, it just seemed like every other pass play, um, you know, pass interference or defensive holding. It's just it's enough to make you sick, especially when you've seen Brady take advantage of penalty.
1: Yeah, no, I I think the refs, um, you know, I don't know if it was the head guy just thinking he wanted to be a star of the show. Uh, To me, last game of the year, best two teams in the league. Let the boys play, uh, you know. I understand the, on the NFL in any given play, you can probably call it two or three penalties. Uh, the one, you know, where the the ball gets tipped and then gets picked by the Chiefs, who gets called back to, you know, for the pass interference, the holding, whatever absolute horseshit. Uh, the one where Brady throws deep uh, the, the DB and Mike Evans trip over each other. Mike Evans, his back leg hit, hit the knee of like the defender was chasing him. Bullshit. Number one, number two, uh, the ball was like 15 yards overthrown, so I'm not. I'm not I, don't, I guess that doesn't count anymore, like a, an uncatchable ball. Uh, to me, you know, the, the Chiefs probably could have gotten some calls uh, their way as well. Um, I'm not going to be a guy that, that harps on, you know, a ref can can impact the outcome outcome greatly. You know, I played sports my most of my entire life. Like a ref, a bad uh, call from a ref, one way or the other, can certainly impact the game's momentum, and momentum can lead to you know, an outcome one way or the other. So I, I just think momentum going into the half uh, for the Bucks was, was certainly evident and obvious. Um, you know, that the, you know, you mentioned the the down, you know, fourth down play where the Chiefs defense gets a stop, goes down, throws a pick. Like to me, momentum, you know, was on the side of the Chiefs and then kind of flayed them a little bit. That drop by Kelsey, you know, certainly you. hurts. There were a couple of drops in the second half when, the game was out of reach, but felt like could get back within reach if the Chiefs had a play go uh, had a play go their way one way or the other. So to me, this game was certainly all about momentum. I think the Bucks D had momentum from start to finish. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's, in a game like that, you hate to see the refs, um, you know, make an impact. You know, I, I would I would love to not be talking about referees right now. I'd love to say that the Bucks just you know kind of went out there and earned it. Uh, I do think the defense certainly did. I, I think the offense kind of got off a little bit scot-free there. Were a couple of the holds on Mike Evans holds? Yes. But in some cases I think they're absolute bullshit. Like the one that was in the end zone where like Tyron, he's running with Tyron Matthew and like, yeah, maybe Tyron Matthews running with him to the outside because he wants to prevent him to go to the inside. If that's a fucking penalty, there's gotta be a call on every play, uh, every pass. Play <laughs> it's like that happens all the time, but uh, to me, if it, you know, if you're a referee and you're making yourself part of the story, you're trending on Twitter, you probably did something wrong. And I think that's the case with uh, those officials from the other night.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, you bring up an extremely valid point when you say, you know, let them play, let them uh, go at it and, and, you know, play the game the way it's supposed to. And when they start getting into these like nitty gritty calls of, of pass interference of, you know, of two guys running into each other and, and it always – It never failed that it was always the chiefs getting called for it, whether it was, you know, Mike Evans, whether it was, um, I can't even remember who else, but I know they, they called, um, you know, penalties on the chiefs on other receivers on, on different routes that it just weren't, it just wasn't warranted whatsoever. And, and that one that you, when they called it back on Tyron Matthew, I I absolutely almost fell out of my chair. I was like, that is absolute horseshit. Yeah. Um, you know like that guy's running all over the field to try and cover pretty much everybody because Kansas City was getting toasted on the on the back end of their defense pretty much all game long and and he makes a hell of a play and, and there was really no holding whatsoever on that play. I mean you can go back and watch the tape. Maybe if you're a Tampa Bay fan or a, a Tom Brady fan, you'll you'll have an argument with me, but that's just out of bias because that that call was bullshit and and the call that you you brought up as well. That, that those were the two biggest ones that stood out to me. Um, you know, the one on uh, when when Mike Evans went to the corner there. And the ball is so far out of reach. And and basically, like you said, they they collided on the play. And and really, they're running right with each other. Nobody was, re- I mean, uh, Evans was holding on to the def- defender and the defender was holding on to Evans at one point, like there was no, like it was a 50-50. However you look at it, they were both, yeah. you know, playing off of each other. And and for them to call that at that point in the game as well, and, and you know, I'll always disagree with the NFL for the, uh, for the fact that where the pass interference call is, is made is where the ball is then spotted. I, I don't agree with that at all. I think you give somebody, you know, 60-yard completion basically is what you do in, in, a, in a situation like that. And where where that ball was not going to be completed or it it probably wasn't that long of a throw. But I've seen it time in, time out, you know, week in and week out where somebody will throw a deep ball down the field. You know, there'll be even if it was, let's say, pass interference, uh, the ball wasn't catchable. And now you just, you know, erased three quarters of the field over a, a penalty. And, you know, where in college. It's a 15 yard penalty automatic first down every single time. I'd much rather see the NFL implement something like that, even if it's a 20-yard a penalty. I would be cooler than – I'd be more cool with, with that than, uh, you know, a pass interference costing the other, the, costing the defense like 60 yards on a ball that was not going to be caught. And, and I promise you that was not that play in particular. That ball was not catchable at all, <clears throat> at all whatsoever.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I'll say it again. Any, anytime the refs make themselves a part of the game or part of the storyline – you got you got to be doing something wrong, and I think that was the case. At that point, though, you know, I I, I think um, if you know, obviously the the Bucks go down and score. You know, the Chiefs. To me, what didn't really make sense in terms of Andy Reid's game management is is yeah, you know, the, the Chiefs go down and and get that field goal with a minute left, and they start to call some timeouts because they thought they were going to hold the Bucks to you know, a, a stop here and there, or maybe a three and out. Um, they called two timeouts, ended up giving the bucks enough time to come back and score that touchdown with like five seconds left to make it 21 to six um, at the end of the second quarter. So until up until that point, I was pretty confident that the chiefs were only going to, we're going to come back and um, you know, whether, whether it be in the second half, whether it be third quarter, fourth quarter, at some point throughout the game, they were going to come back and ultimately surpass the bucks. But when they go up 21 to six, who else, but Antonio freaking Brown, the luckiest man on the face of the earth uh, somehow bounces back with the Bucks this year and wins a goddamn Super Bowl after being the most hated human being um, in the NFL. Uh, either way, they're, they're, them going up 21 to six. And I know the Chiefs got the ball back at the start of the third quarter, but to me, that was sort of the first moment in the game where I was like, okay, maybe this won't go how I think it will. Maybe, uh, you know, Tom Brady and the Bucs will start to pull away here and, and kind of take it. Obviously, um, Andy Reed, I think certainly is, is one of the best coaches at, at sort of second half adjustments. I think that's an underrated part of, uh, his game, his repertoire, his coaching abilities, those adjustments in the, in the locker room in the second half. Um, so I, I thought they were going to, you know, I fully expected them to come out make some adjustments in the game plan. Um, how about the offensive line a little more, maybe establish the run, uh, move the ball, move the clock a little bit and come out and get a quick touchdown that didn't happen. Then ended up settling for a field goal to make it 21, nine, but, um, just kind of take me through your thoughts as well, I guess, going into that, you know, going into halftime, end of the second quarter there, obviously, with with Brown getting a last-minute touchdown. What were your kind of thoughts, that, you know, for, for uh, throughout the course of the game flow at that point?
2: Yeah, I thought, you know, obviously Kansas City only kicking the two field goals in the first half. And I think, um, you know, obviously uh, Tampa Bay coming down, scoring that last touchdown, it was, it was a huge momentum shift and a huge, uh, you know, Dampener to, to Kansas City. I think, you know, coming out of the half, I, I was, I'm never of the mindset to take the ball at half. Uh, I always want to get the ball and just go down the field and score and set the tone. Um, I wasn't extremely disappointed that, that uh, Kansas City did that only because they have the offense that they do. Um, so I was thinking, you know, even if they defer and, and the, the uh, Tampa Bay gets the ball, you know, they'll come out of the, the second half and, and, you know, run, get down the field and punch it in for seven. Um, obviously did not happen. Uh, not even close. They didn't score a touchdown all game. So, I mean, I, I look at it, um, that, that drive was huge. And, and I, there's the same thing, uh, you know, Dan and I were texting back and forth uh, quite a bit during the game. And, you know, for them to call those timeouts there, I, I was just in my head. I'm like, do not give Brady even a slight chance to get this ball in the end zone before half, especially the way Kansas city's offense was playing. You just got to, just don't worry about getting the ball back. You're going to get it back after the half. Just pump the brakes, at least hold them to a field goal. I think that would have, at least for the psyche of, of Kansas City, would have helped going into the half. But obviously, you know, all the penalties, all the frustration going into to halftime was just entirely too much for Kansas City to, to handle. And it just – it was such a momentum kill, really, the, the entire game. For, for Kansas city, they just never really got on track on offense. Whether you, you blame the offensive line, you blame Mahomes. I mean, I, I think obviously I, I would put a lot of it on the offensive line and you know, Tampa Bay schemed up a very good game on defense, but um, yeah, that, that the decision, the call timeouts before the half almost took me back to the the Andy Reed days in Philly when there would be just <laughs> dumbass <is>. mistakes. Just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maybe better than Dougie P, but, uh, you know, that, that's, that's debatable. He got us a ring, but then, you got know. You the, got you the jewelry. Yeah, just every – almost every other year was painful. But, you know, you, you take what you can get. But I don't know, man. It, it just – it really – it was like Kansas City. Not I, I'm not going to say Tampa Bay wanted it more. I just think Kansas City, whether you blame the refs or, or just blame the team itself, but they just continued to shoot themselves in the foot. And, and I was just – at halftime, I was like, "If Kansas City doesn't score a touchdown on this, on this, on this first drive out of the half, I just, I don't see them coming back." Only because Tampa Bay has Brady, Brady always, you know, puts a nail in the coffin at right. some point in the game, and it was just so frustrating to see mistake after mistake, and then that the the use of the timeouts there just, I just thought that I was being dumb and being over aggressive. And that really ended up costing them, I'm not going to say the game, but that cost them a huge momentum shift. And ultimately, you know, they came out just as flat in the second half, if not worse. And just, you know, there were so many things they could have done better. I think they could have definitely called the game better on offense in the fact that they knew Mahomes didn't have any time to throw. And they're running, they're trying to run like pretty pretty long routes and and pretty extended time routes as far as like, you know, I was watching Tyree kill. He's running to the sidelines, like, but it's a pretty far route. It's not just a quick. And then when they do decide to run a a quick pass play, it was like these little, like to the sideline, almost like a screen, but it wasn't, it was a little bit. So many
1: screens, dude. So many.
2: (laughs) And I'm just thinking like, dude, that Kansas city, or not Kansas city, Tampa Bay is all over the field. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll say, I, I think it's Devin White, number 45 on Tampa Bay. That guy yeah. was all over the field all night long. It seemed like every, I, I'll give him credit. You know, where credit's due, I, I'll give it. Um, I think he had, like, 11 tackles. Um, you know, L, former LSU player. So, you know, just another guy from the SEC showing up in, in the big games and, and in the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, just it just extremely frustrating. I mean, the Chiefs were 3 of 13 on, on – third down when do you ever see that um pretty much not all regular season long and then Tampa was four of 12 on third down which is kind of surprising but um you know it's just there was way too many things being thrown uh the Chiefs way that they could not swallow and they could not handle and they they couldn't cover Gronk they couldn't defend Fournette and the most of the time they'll be able to get over those things uh just because you have Mahomes but um, absolutely no offensive line all, all night long. No, no line at all.
1: That was a fantastic breakdown from the legend Aaron <laughs> Riley. Uh, yeah, I can't really imagine a worse twenty minutes in life than seeing Antonio Brown score a touchdown to go down twenty-one-six, and having to listen to the weekend for the next twenty-five minutes while you're trying to figure out how to win a football game in the locker room uh, if, you can't, if you're Kansas City, but. Yeah, you know, after they scored that field goal, you know, I think it was with, like, 10 minutes left in the third quarter. They didn't get the touchdown. Then, you know, three minutes later, four minutes later, Tampa goes down. Fournette has that 30-yard run for a score. At that point, I I think I was pretty deflated. I was like, you you know, everything, my worst nightmare, my worst fear were coming to light, uh, coming to fruition. Obviously, at that point, a a 28-9 to lead is pretty insurmountable in, in, in the Super Bowl unless you're, you know, Brady playing the Atlanta Falcons in, you know, <laughs> you know, coming back from 28 to three, it's a different conversation, but um, yeah, 28 to nine. And, and then, you know, Tampa Bay chips in another field goal at the end of the third quarter to make it 31 to nine. Um, at that point, the first, the fourth quarter was just really solemn for me. It was just staring at, staring into the abyss, staring into the darkness, realizing this guy was going to get a fucking seven Super Bowl. and, um, really not happy about it. As you guys can tell, Sunday was my birthday, as I told you guys two weeks ago. Uh, so he did win on my birthday to, to just twist that knife a little bit further. Uh, not going to go too much, too far into the rest of the game. I do want to touch on some post game stuff. Um, Aaron did a great breakdown, so I'm not going to be a dead horse, but Brady really didn't do too much in the second half. Didn't have to, I thought they, you know, Fournette was fantastic. Um, to get guys like him off the scrap heap, to get a Gronk off the scrap heap. Um, It it almost reminds you of the NBA, you know, with Kevin Durant, with LeBron James and those super teams, you get the Richard Jefferson, you get the David West of the world, trying to ring chase, um, trying to go out on top, you know, you get the John Elway's of the world trying to go out on top. So to me, I'm not too I'm not too, too big of a fan of, of that mentality. I know, you know, it's free agency. It's a free market. It's America. It's a free country. You can go to, whatever team is going to cut you the check. Um, You know, as long as they have a cap space, it definitely makes sense. But yeah, I think, I think that team would have been stacked without Brady, without Gronk, without Fournette, without all those other guys that signed those one-year deals. And just to bring those four or five key veterans into your locker room, obviously puts you over the top credit, credit to the defense, Todd Bowles, former Jets coach. I have no idea why people are saying he should get another kick at the can in terms of a head coaching job. I'll say it. I say it. I say it a million times. I'll say it again. He's a good coordinator. Uh, there are plenty of good coordinators. Whether there be offensive or defensive out there in the NFL, but uh, there's so much more that goes into being a head coach. And I just think that he's better off being a defensive coordinator and, you know, riding Tom Brady's offense to to, to victory. Even though that wasn't the case on Sunday, but uh, yeah, in terms of in terms of MVP, I, I think, you know, as soon as they go up th- thirty-one to nine, there's probably no doubt in my mind that to gets the MVP. I don't think he was too deserving. Um, was there anyone else that stood out to you, Aaron, that, that might have been more deserving candidate to get the MVP?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if I just – and, you know, the stat line's probably not going to show it, but I just think the impact that Fournette had on the game as far as just moving the chains consistently, obviously, you know, Dan and I know this. Most people, I'm sure, that listening to this podcast know that if you can run the ball effectively – nine times out of 10, if you don't have a a piece of, uh, you know, a dumpster back there as a a quarterback, you can, uh, you know, run the ball effectively and then then set up the pass effectively. So I thought just the impact that Fournette had on on offense, um, you know, Dan Dan alluded to a a good point as well, that you could really give it to the defense, the entire defense, obviously all night long shut down Mahomes. Um, You know, I'm I'm of the the mindset that you could have put, you know, pretty much any quarterback on the Buccaneers and give them Gronk, give them Mike Evans, give them, uh, you know, 11 penalties for what, you know, 120 <laughs> yards. Um, give them you know, Kirk Cousins. Point, I Yeah, I think Kirk Cousins, you know, he, I think Kirk Cousins could have done it. I think, you know, maybe Jay Cutler could have won that game. You know, I, I, I just the Chiefs put up hey, nine Manning points. today could have won that game. I'm taking Brett Favre seven days out of seven to win that game but uh yeah I mean all, all jokes aside but I, in all seriousness at the same time like I look at that game like I, I don't yeah Brady you know, completed passes scored touchdowns don't get me wrong um you know 21 for 29 but only 200 yards obviously the three TDs on the day but um just everything was going in their favor and And really, if you if you can just throw a five or six yard pass, you can throw to Gronk and and accumulate 100 yards almost it seems like. So I I don't know. Obviously, they they gave it to Brady. It was was almost like uh, almost seems like the NFL and and even the NBA at times, those two leagues love the the storyline so much that it's like it's the greatest thing on earth that that Brady won another ring. It, you know, he's the, the best of all time it it cements his legacy as you know the greatest player to probably ever play it's just it goes into you know such a such a big spotlight for the NFL and such a you know a guy that is basically worshiped like Jesus that they were going to give it to him and and just it was inevitable uh just it's just such a shame that it, you know if the chiefs would have lost that game and, and it was a you know 40 to 39 I probably wouldn't be so upset but it's just everything played in the Tampa Bay's favor. And, and even on defense, even on all, you know, all, all sides of the ball, it was just Tampa Bay all night long. And it it was one of the harder Super Bowls in, in recent memory. I, I've had to watch, I think the, uh, the Rams Patriots Super Bowl was probably the worst Super Bowl I've ever watched, but
1: Absolutely. this is, uh,
2: this is up there, you know, up there. even, even uh, the Eagles losing to the Patriots, that, that game was a nail biter till, till the interception that uh, McNabb threw. So uh, just, just, you know such a shame and and you know it was just Tampa Bay's night and, and Kansas City could not figure you know really anything out.
1: The Super Bowl is an event man. I, I think the last time you won is is for one team to dominate. I, you know, I feel like at Super Bowls back in the 90s and 80s. I think a lot of the times there was a clear cut you know favorite there' was a clear cut front runner over over the, the the competition there. I think the last ten to fifteen years proved that both conferences are relatively even. obviously have your outlier years, you know Seattle against Denver, you know, comes to mind from a few years ago. Um there's some other ones out there as, as well. I, I think especially when I when a guy wins that you don't want to win and wins in dominating fashion. It's certainly a letdown, but you know, it's a Super Bowl, you know, still gonna tune in every year no matter who's in who's in the big game. Um in terms of where we go from here and and where, you know, the Bucks go from here, where the where the Chiefs go from here, uh Brady said he's obviously coming back. Um, I know they got to play some cap gymnastics to, to bring some of these guys back. I know Godwin's a free agent. Um, so whether, whether they decide to franchise him or sign him to a deal, that'll impact some of the other roster decisions. Shaq Barrett's a free agent. I think both of those two guys, Godwin, obviously, you know, going to be coveted. Barrett's going to be coveted as well. Probably command, you know, 15 to 20 million. They might decide to franchise tag him or, or some other, something like something like that. But I think either way, there are going to be some pieces departed. So, uh, gun to my head, if I had to say, are the Bucs going to be back in this position position next year, i say, you know, most definitely not. Uh, the Chiefs, on the other hand, I think as long as you have Mahomes, as long as you have Andy Reid, uh, I think you're going to be back. I, I'd have to bet my life and bet the farm that they're probably going to draft an offensive lineman in the first or second round. Uh, that's probably a safe bet. Looking back on it, they probably should have this past year, I know. Um, Edward Solaire has been pretty good for him all season, but really, uh, to me, Andy Reid is so good at scheming up plays and, and playing to his players' strength where he can basically put in any running back, um, in that lineup and they're probably going to succeed in some, some shape or form. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's disheartening, obviously not as a, you know, not being a Brady fan, but either way, uh, it is sad that football is coming to an end. and We're already talking about next year because it seems like it's light years away, um, we do have some other topics and, and, and stuff like that we can get to football wise, but for us, um, with this being our, our first season as a podcast, it's definitely tough to see it go. Um, we had a good time all season talking ball, obviously, you know, you know, just spitting our dumb hot takes about football season, certainly been a good time. Um, so hopefully the listeners certainly, uh, certainly enjoyed it, um, and we're going to obviously touch on the draft and free agency. I know we had a couple of draft shows um, last year when we started the podcast. So we'll certainly get back into some league news and things like that. But to me, this almost feels like the end of an era and the end of year one uh, for this podcast. And uh, yeah, are you looking forward to next year to say the least?
2: Yeah. I was thinking that throughout the, uh, throughout the day, Sunday, it being Dan's birthday and it being, you know, such a, you know, and there's no other way to put this. It was such a hard year. For, for the Jets, and, it, it, you know, the guy, like, it could have pretty much been anybody else in the Super Bowl, and I don't think, you know, Dan would have had such a, a problem with it, it's, it's you know, the arch enemy, it's it's hey, Brady once hey, again. Real,
1: real quick, I if the Patriots would have won the Super Bowl without Brady, I don't know if I would have been as upset as I am now.
2: No, I think, uh, you know, I kind of joked at the beginning of the year, I was like, I gotta watch the Buccaneers go to the Super Bowl and win it. You know, part of me did believe that only because it's just like that. You can't bet against that guy. And and that's one thing, you know, Skip Bayless isn't right about everything. That's for sure. Probably not even 50%, but um, there's certain things that like, you can just take it to the bank. And, and he said that years ago. And I, you know, the more and more I sat there and thought about it is I, I would never bet against a guy. I, me personally, I, I hate to say it again. Uh, unless Brady gets injured. I don't know. You know, I, I could see them back there again, and I would absolutely hate to see it again. <laughs> uh, I, I just – I don't know if the Packers can figure it out. I Seattle seems to choke pretty much every postseason, every year from, the, you know, for the last few years uh, unless they get it together, especially on defense. Seattle needs some help. Um, I, Seattle, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's just I, – I just have a hard time seeing somebody from the NFC knock. Um, you know, now – Maybe the Rams with with Matt Stafford. And, um, that's what I,
1: that's what I was gonna say. That's my team can, next year.
2: I'm uh, I'm I'm a little excited about that. I pray to God Stafford can stay healthy. Uh, a guy that's been banged up, you know, a good bit in his career, but the last couple of seasons he's been, he's been pretty pretty rock solid. So I I just hope and pray as much as I'm not, you know, I, I've never really liked the Rams for whatever reason, something about them. But uh, obviously I'll, I'll root them. Over the rant, a route over Tampa Bay with, with the Rams, you know, any day of the week. Uh, Tampa Bay was one of those teams in the past I never really, you know, they weren't really relevant, so it wasn't a big deal. But now, obviously, it's just the whole landscape of the NFL has changed. Uh, one of my concerns going into the offseason is I think New England has like 60 million cap space. So uh, who God knows how they're going to use that money and acquire talent because they're usually picking – you know, random guys off the street and no names and inserting them and, and having some type of success, whether you say it's Brady or, or Belichick, I, I more so say that's the coaching staff, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, it is, it is definitely a, a sad end to the NFL season and, and really an awful season for both Dan and I uh, respectfully, yeah. with it's our terrible. teams being absolute trash uh, pretty much from start to, to finish and. And a lot of a lot of drama on, on both of those organizations and, and both those clubs there. So um, kind of definitely sad to see it go. Uh, really, the, the worst ending came to fruition. And, and, you know, I'm ready for next year. But uh, like Dan said, um, it feels like light years away. And I, I definitely am, am feeling that type of way going forward. And, you know, it's just nothing really compares to the NFL for entertainment value for me personally, uh, Dan, Dan probably can say the NHL is up there. Uh, I wish I felt the same way, but, but Hey, you know, everybody's different strokes for different folks there.
1: No, I, yeah, I I, I like everything you said. I think it was a tough year for us on the field, but you know, I I thought this podcast certainly benefited from a good NFL season. Uh, in terms of entertainment value, I'd have to say NFL is number one for me. I think it's the best sport to watch on TV. I, I I'll go to bat. You know, I'll, I'll go to my grave saying hockey the best live sport to watch. But to me, NFL, there's no better sport to watch on TV. I think, you know, it'd be once a week, 16 games, all the different storylines, every division, every team. You know, it's just there's no other league in the world like it. So many different players, offense, defense, special teams, the three phases, the coaches, their personalities in their own right, crazy fan bases, things like that. It, you know, definitely brings us a lot of content on this podcast. At times, it kind of feels like an NFL show rather than us, you know, generic sports podcast, but certainly we'll start to transition into some NHL, you know, MLB NBA stuff. Uh, March madness is coming up soon. So that'll be, that'll be good to talk about. Maybe we'll get some live streams going for some of those games and things like that, as we up our production value, kind of going into year two of this podcast, but yeah, uh, t- to recap, uh, you know, an NFL season is impossible to do, but you appreciate everyone listening. Appreciate you, Aaron, bringing the fire he takes. Appreciate Derek Carr for being a scumbag, so he can shit on him week in and week out. Uh, certainly, it was it was fun, uh, and uh, obviously, it's it's almost becoming the NBA where there's storylines every week, every month. Uh, the draft is coming up. This this offseason in particular, obviously, you already saw it with the Matt Stafford trade and the Jared Goff movement. Uh, it's going to be unprecedented, unprecedented, if I can speak tonight, uh, in terms of quarterback movement. So you know, we'll talk about Wentz and Darnold here in a second, but I think we'll we'll get some juicy storylines leading up to and after the draft and through free agency. Uh, I, I'm personally looking forward to it. Uh, we might get some dead spots there in the summer, but some other sports will certainly fill the void for, for this podcast, but uh, certainly looking forward to a good off season for sure.
2: Yeah. I think, you know, not only, not only Wentz and, and Darnold, you know, probably go on different places, but uh, you know, you, Deshaun Watson, obviously, wants out of Houston. It seems like anybody, any athlete that goes to Houston doesn't want to be there, um, I guess, excluding the Astros, but they just cheat anyway. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, you bring up a great point. I I, I hope all these, I, for for entertainment value's sake, I hope Rodgers leaves Green Bay. I hope Deshaun Watson leaves Houston. I hope Wentz goes somewhere, and I hope Darnold goes. I, I just want to see Give
1: it. us all the chaos,
2: I, folks. give want us to see it. Uh, at, at this point, like, I, I just – I regardless of, of who wins next year, I don't want to see Tampa Bay there. So if that means one of these quarterbacks go into a situation where they can knock Brady out and just – you know, if it's like the Colts go to the Super Bowl next, just somebody different and, and make it a lot more interesting. I would have loved to see uh, a Green Bay and Kansas City score. I wanted to see Green Bay and Buffalo. I didn't really think there was a chance for that, but yeah. Um, yeah. That, I, I would love to see like the bills or, or somebody just brand new. If my team's not going to be in it, I, I want to see some, some variety. And not that uh, the Buccaneers aren't a new on the scene, but obviously, you know, it, it's Brady. So it's not really the Buccaneers to me. Right? it, it's, it didn't I'm feel Brady, like so. a team
1: that it, it was, you know, obviously won a Super Bowl early 2000s, but it didn't feel like a team that was on the rise. It,
2: it they feel like the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a disgusting, disgusting type of feel.
1: Horrible. Horrible. Either, either way, folks, we appreciate it. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into some quarterback movement, like you said. Um, to throw your Aaron Rodgers take, I'll, I'll, I'll see your Aaron Rodgers and raise you a Russell Wilson today. He said he was pretty unhappy uh, with his oh. protection over, over the last few years of his career. I think over the last few seasons, he's been sacked 400 times. And he said today to a Seattle reporter that he's tired of getting hit. Uh, funny enough, they can't draft anyone in the first round this year. Thanks to Joe Douglas and the jets. They can't draft anybody in the first round next year. Thanks to Joe Douglas and the jets. So not really sure where that help is coming from. Maybe he's out in Seattle. That'd be fantastic for me because our draft, our draft pick value next year skyrockets. Um, I think he'll stay. I, I just wanted to chip that in. Cause we were talking about Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson, but let's get into Carson Wentz here. Uh, over the weekend, it was kind of slipped under the radar, stepped under the mat um, Carson Wentz uh, and the Eagles were close to dealing him. Um, didn't really name names in terms of teams on the other end of that transaction. Uh, I'd have to think the bears are in play. The Colts come to mind, the Steelers, uh, the saints certainly come to mind. They don't have much cap space, but teams like the, the Colts, like the bears who can create cap space or already have cap space makes sense to me, Matt Nagy uh you know coming from that Andy Reid coaching tree John D Filippo uh just upgraded there to passing game coordinator was the offensive coordinator for Philadelphia a couple years ago Frank Reich uh you know being in in uh Philadelphia for that Super Bowl uh certainly comes to mind obviously people think to this day that he played his best football under Frank Reich when he was the quarterback's coach back in 2017 uh hard to argue with that point just if you look at the stats and and that at face value but Aaron, um, can you give the listeners a feel for who you might think the winning team, uh, might be for, for Carson Wentz and services and what kind of package are we looking in return for, for Wentz?
2: Yeah. So it's definitely, uh, definitely getting interesting. I, I read up on this a little bit ago. Uh, didn't even realize it. John D. Filippo was part of the coaching staff for the Eagles back in uh, 2017 when Wentz had the, you know, basically almost an MVP caliber season before it went, you know, going down with the, uh, the torn ACL, I think MCL, all of it, really the whole but, thing, uh, the whole leg, the whole. You know, just cut. You might as well have cut cut off his leg for the rest of the season.
1: And his career um, was cut too.
2: <laughs> cut off his brain cells. Everything at that point, just just put him in the. He's a dead duck in the water. But uh, the Bears recently made, which I did not know, uh, John D. Filippo, their passing game coordinator, in quotes, after they're spending a year as the team's quarterback coach. Um, so obviously there there's a the connection with. Carson Wentz, uh, once again, a guy that worked with, with Wentz, you know, back on, on the success of of the Eagles and the the glory days of of Wentz's career at this point. So uh, the bears, which I didn't think were really a a candidate to trade for Wentz. I mean, I was kind of thinking that with a little bit, just because Mitchell Trubisky really hasn't improved much. Uh, You know, he's pretty inconsistent uh, throughout his career so far. So, um, you know, that would be an interesting move. I mean, there, there's, rumors that the, the Eagles really want the house for Wentz and these teams are are close, but they're not close enough, obviously to strike a deal yet. So um, it would be definitely interesting to see um, Wentz go to Chicago. I think uh, cold weather climate, just like Philly, I don't know how well he'll do there. Uh, their offensive line is absolutely atrocious. Uh, so I can't see that, you know, his game's going to progress quickly there um but there is rumors that uh big dick nick uh hey. is the philly fans uh you know back to philly which i at this point that I would be perfect no that would issue. be f- no issue that would in. be Actually, madness, bro i i i welcome it with open arms even if he shits the bed lays an egg i think he can teach uh, which i will never think of. a lot of Philadelphia fans say that he's not capable of starting, this and
0: that. I will never argue with a guy that won a sort of one and only Super Bowl. I will never discredit that guy. Um, He stepped up when it mattered. He outgunned Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and he's the last quarterback to throw a a touchdown against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. A little uh, little (laughs) tidbit there. Um, I will take Nick Foles, seven days out of seven, who is injury-prone as as anyone uh, (laughs) – Wentz might be the opposite of Foles. He might go somewhere else and find a way to win. Uh, Foles, when he comes to Philly, finds a way to win. Uh, if, you know, the year after they won the Super Bowl, they were really uh, a game away from the NFC Championship game, which they played. The, they would have played the Rams, who they absolutely smoked in the regular season. Uh, when the Eagles weren't even clicking on all cylinders, so I, I just look at it like Foles is is that guy that. For whatever reason, he's magic. I don't think they should have ever left him walk out of the door. Regardless of how much they had invested in Wentz, only because Wentz is injury prone and and now extremely inconsistent and erratic with the football. So I hope they can pull off a trade in, for Chicago. I'm crossing my fingers. I just want to see Fools back. I think he deserves to retire an Eagle. I think he wants to retire an Eagle. I don't think he wanted to leave to begin with, as he was pretty choked up in his last. Uh, press conference with the team, so I'm crossing my fingers. I'm crossing everything I got. I'm not saying he's gonna bring us another Super Bowl, but I will. Uh, I will go down with with as Nick Foles goes down because that guy was an absolute savage in that Super Bowl, and uh, Tom Brady never shook Nick Foles' hand. That's part of the reason I have no respect for for Tom Brady or the, the quote unquote goat at this point, and I'm sick of him. So uh, I I hope. Nick Foles, the Philly, and, you know, we get some draft picks, obviously, for Litts. And then, you know, let, let the best guy play, if it's Jalen Hurts, if it's Nick Foles, or if it, whatever it might be, I'm all for it. And, and I'd love to see that.
1: Yeah, all right. So a cu- cu- couple things with that. Uh, I know the affinity for, for Foles is obviously palpable in, in Philadelphia, but as soon as, as Jalen Hurts struggles for one second, in Philadelphia, what what are the calls for Foles right away? Like as a, as a Philly fan, are we calling for, you know, hurts his head 10 seconds into the season here. As soon as he throws his first pick, as soon as they lose their first game, like give me, give mean give me a feel for what Nick Foles brings to the, to the front. I mean, is he coming to start? Is he coming in to back him up? Is he coming in to just be veteran support? Like, I, I know the contracts obviously have to shake out a little bit. I just don't know if Philly wants to deal with that circus of, because to me, you're almost admitting that, that you were at fault for trading foes in the first place. And while that might be true, I just think Howie at this point has shown he has a lot of pride for and will stand his ground even though he is wrong like 80% of the time.
0: Yeah, you absolutely nailed it. Nailed it. I mean, uh, a couple of things I can say about that is um, from from the decision to move from away from foes after – I mean, I, I get – and I totally understand, you know, the thought process around it. But everybody, you know, if you go back and look at comment section, and everything anything Eagles related, it was, you know, let fools go. Wentz is our guy. Uh, he's the franchise. He's proven that, you know, he's an MVP candidate. Uh, I, I said from the get go that you're jumping the gun. He had one good season after a, a pretty a pretty mediocre rookie campaign. So, um, Yes, in year two, he progressed quite, you know, leaps and bounds over his first season, Um, but ever since then, ever since that injury, you look at the stats, you look at uh, you know, the winning percentage, you even look at like, the if Doug Peterson had another quarterback that wasn't Wentz, like, I think his winning record was, like, 11-3 or 11-4. and four. Granted, that's not a huge sample size, but it was, like, under 500 with Wentz after the, the ACL, MCL tear. I think Wentz's, uh, you know, mental stability in, in the NFL is kind of wavering at the sport, I think. You know, obviously, there, there may be some anxiety related to, you know, getting injured again. I think he's just—he's thinking too much. He's—he's he's just not—not not the same guy. And I think you know he needs to change the scenery at least to get back on on track if he's gonna get back on track. Um, but if if I'm the Eagles, I—I definitely—I I don't care if I gotta swallow my pride. If I'm Howie Roseman, I, I'm just trying to get a couple of good draft picks. Uh, I would love to see him pick up some type of defensive player. I'd rather be a corner, lineback, anything. On defense that Chicago can give us um, and, and draft picks and Fools. And, and I'm just having them come in. And I honestly think if, if not that Fools is the best regular season quarterback, I think you start with, with Jalen Hurts. Um, possibly, I, I'm so split on it just because I have so much respect for Fools and he's an NFL veteran too. So if you sit down, Jalen Hurts and Let him learn behind another guy. I think that doesn't hurt. So either way, they would want to go with that. But I swear to God, if I ran the team, the second that team makes the playoffs, I'm putting fools in in that fucking lineup. You know, whether it be a wild card game, whether it be a divisional playoff game, I'm putting fools in because that guy is absolute clutch in the playoffs. And I'm just I'm taking my chances and. You know, you bring up the point that Howie Roseman is a very prideful GM. I think that has cost him so many, so many. This, you know, cost him so many good players, cost him so many decisions that, that should have went the other way. And if if they don't get enough in return for Wentz, then the fact that he's not fired already is a joke. But that's an absolute atrocity. Bro, because... they
1: they should be giving teams their first round pick to get rid of that contract. I don't know if they're get much in return for him.
0: I wouldn't mind if they come away with this without it. No, and now he knows he's on the way or he's on the, the trade block. But, you know, if, if they come away and they don't move him, that's only going to show more depth by the by this organization, by this uh probably the worst GM and might be in pro sports. I'll, I'll go as far as to say that he at, at drafting, whether it be MLB, NHL, and any of he's the worst at drafting players, I don't care who it is, you think he's the worst, he's worse than um the next GM. He's worse he's any of them, he's worse than that. Um so you know they need to pull this trade off. They need to get this contract off the books. They obviously made a mistake. I don't want to hear the excuses. And another thing with the with the Philadelphia fans, that I have extreme problem with is how much shit Jalen Hurts got last season towards the end of the year. How they were saying it's not. Obviously, it's not just Wentz. It's you know, the Hurts was struggling too. And they have no offensive line. So to not give that kid any credit for coming in and, and bringing a smart plug to that team that was. Absolutely yeah. a horrible all season with Wentz and so many games that we could barely score 10 points with Wentz in there to, to call out Jalen Hurts for not, you know, lighting the world of fire every game with horrible receiving core, uh, no offensive line, barely a running game when because they never run the ball. If they would actually decide to run the ball, it would probably be decent, but um, yeah, that, that <laughs> There's so many things that Philadelphia fans contradict themselves with, and especially on, on pages that I see the fall of. And, you know, it was it was never went to fall. It's like they, they pick a guy and they, they stand by – the majority of the fan base stands by it no matter what. They could have went 0-16 and they would have said, don't play Hurts, which makes no sense. Like, you gotta you got to be logical at some point. And it's it's a league of, of – you know, you see Tom Brady leave a team, take a team to the server, and like I'm not – I'm not sitting here waiting three or four years of one struggling to say, all right, I think we should move on now. Like it's time to move on. It's time to, to make a move and point and, and to get that contract off the books would be an absolute
1: blessing. Yeah, no, I think it, I think it's certainly a, a blessing for you if they do get that contract of the books. I just don't know if a fools makes sense for 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 him to come back like. Yes, I know he won your Super Bowl, but what has he done the past two years? Like, that was three years ago. He won that Super Bowl. He's a couple years older. Uh, I think he comes with a significant cap hit. Uh, to me, if, if you're going to have a, a backup quarterback, like, for Hertz, uh, it's probably not the right message to send to a guy. Like, he just had a crazy rookie year where, A, you know, he was almost ran out of town because, you know, the fans, including yourself and, my, and myself, didn't want him to get drafted and B. To bring back a guy that won the Super Bowl and is probably going to get praised, you know, anytime he comes back to the city of Philadelphia, like would be kind of tough. And almost to me, it would seem like he's looking over my my shoulder if I was hurt. But, you know, Howie has uh, Howie will obviously get the best deal for the team. And if that best deal includes, you know, Nick Foles coming back in return because Chicago doesn't want him anymore, then you know, so be it. Whatever they decide to do with Foles at that point is whatever they decide to do with him. I, I, I guess I had to think if. Hertz was mentally tough enough to survive this season as his backup uh, to Wentz and kind of going through a crazy quarterback situation. Then, you know, maybe, you know, he can handle Foles kind of backing him up, but I just think there are better options out there and cheap, certainly cheaper options out there for, you know, hurts to, 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 you know, to kind of pick his Hertz back up, but yeah, it'll, it'll be fascinating. I think he does get dealt probably before our next podcast. Hopefully next week we can kind of break down, a Wentz deal. Um, in terms of the, the Jets side of things, I think um, Joe Douglas and the Jets front office are kind of being patient and waiting to see uh, what the Wentz deal is going to turn out to be before trading Darnold. They've kind of said to teams that have reached out, you know, we're kind of standing pat. We're uh, kind of seeing how everything shakes out. Uh, I, I think the Washington football team is one to kind of monitor with this situation. Obviously, they're not going to go ahead and trade within the division and get Wentz. But I think Darnold to, to WFT kind of makes sense. I think he makes sense to the Colts or Bears, uh, kind of whichever one loses out on Wentz. Uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, it's kind of crazy that, uh, our, you know, both our team's quarterback situations are kind of tied together. I think the Jets are just kind of waiting, like I said, to see how this whole Carson Wentz situation shakes out before they really make a move, uh, which to me, I, I think at that point, there's really no debate. On whether you bring back Sam or not. If you're, if you're thinking about trading him, you're probably going to end up trading him at some point in the off season. And then, you know, taking a quarterback at the number two pick, I think, you know, I've said it many times going into next year with, with Sam as your quarterback is, is playing with house money, rolling the dice, whatever you want to say. Uh, chances are, you're not going to be picking as high as number two next year. And to be honest, next year's quarterback class won't be as strong as this year. So, take fields take wilson take whoever you want at number 2 and 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 kind of move on unless obviously you can get a deshaun watson and maybe you can maybe darnell gets a 2 maybe he gets a late one for you you package out with some other picks to get deshaun watson and you know you know you kind of turn your head and and your franchise is kind of revitalized but yeah it's it's, it's pretty funny to me that that our our franchises quarterback situations are kind of tied together for once
2: yeah i think you no know, certainly is and i think if I'm the Jets and I can get, um, you know, if I get rid of Darnold in a second round, it, even, uh, I mean, I know they, they picked number two this year, but I mean, if you can go out and get the Sean Watson, I think that that would be absolutely massive uh, just in, in the weight that that could transform your franchise. I'm not going to say overnight, but that's a guy that's established in this league. I think, um, you know, just he's a mobile quarterback. He's a guy that, you know, if you remember just a couple of years ago, he put uh, over like almost, you know, maybe 24, it, maybe 30 points on the Chiefs uh, when he I know he, he lost to to the Chiefs that year in the in the playoffs a few years back. But uh, just a guy that he can absolutely ball and, and he can he can bring such a, a dimension to the Jets that they don't they don't have as far as a quarterback that can run a quarterback that can not that Darnold, you know, it might not be the best analogy, but, you know, you get what I mean? I mean, Sean yeah, yeah, yeah. Watson is a, a freak athlete. I would say he top he's five a guy quarterback, been, easily. Yeah, I think he, he's on a he's on a team that's obviously just imploding from from within. Um, they get rid of Bill O'Brien, uh, the new coach, you know, wants to keep the Sean Watson. I don't think he's happy there. I think he wants to be elsewhere. I, I think he even came out and said he'd rather be a jet than a dolphin. So I'm taking a guy that wants to play for me, a guy that, you know, had enormous college success. He's had some NFL success, even on a, on a shit team, on a organization that can't seem to figure out much of anything. So I I definitely take my chances, try and get Deshaun Watson if I'm the the Jets only because those guys don't become available very often. I mean, you saw what you saw, Kirk Cousins got just a couple of years ago, just because he hit the market at the right time. I think Deshaun Watson's a special, special talent in this league. And and if I have the opportunity to get him, I'm, I'm going all in and and risking it because, you know, I've seen what he can do with uh, talented receivers with a with a team that can play a little bit and and I'd be excited as hell to get him if I'm if I'm a Jets fan and I would do like I said I would pretty much do whatever it takes within reason you know I'm not giving up like a first round pick the next three years uh, right. they might be asking for that I don't know you know I'm not that well connected but um, yeah yeah you are I, you're well
1: you're well connected throughout
2: the league. Uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm just coming for Hallie Roseman's job. That's all. That's all <laughs> I'm trying to. Get. Coming for the front row. Get ready. If if I'm on my deathbed and I, and I took Hallie Roseman's job, you know, 40, 50, 60 years before, I, you know, that that's an accomplishment to me, and and that's all <laughs> I can really. My hat on right there.
1: Even but, if you even if you get him fired, that's an accomplishment.
2: Uh, if I have to call the NovaCare complex every day of my life for the rest of my life, and I, and that means he's fired, I'd do it. I'll do it in a heartbeat. Every day. That
1: guy, talk about your job security.
2: That guy's uh, got I, the
1: most job security, you know, this side of the Mississippi.
2: Hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, bash on any anybody's religion, but from what I understand, I think Jeffrey Lurie is is Jewish, and I think Howie Rosen is Jewish. I'm not saying that. Interesting. That's, I'm not saying that's the only reason he has a job still, but. Well, you're not saying um, it's not. I'm not saying it's not because you saw you saw Doug Peterson get run out of this town, you know just a few years after winning the Super Bowl. Um, and they kept Andy Reid for, you know, God knows how long with no Super Bowl. But somehow Howie Rosen hey, Did much, we Did
1: um, we talk about the Eagles coach, the new coach's press conference yet? I don't think we did.
2: We, we certainly can. We certainly can. I, I got all night.
1: How, uh, I mean, if, for, for those <laughs> of you didn't hear it, I'm going to try to play a clip now.
2: Next thing that's very important to me is that we build a smart football team that we have a smart football team here. And I know we have the, the people in place to do that. The first part of that, the first part of being smart is knowing what to do. We're going we're gonna to have systems in place that are easier to learn. All right, Complicated to the defense or offense that they're going against or the special teams group they're going against, but easy for us to learn. Because when we can put that, because we when we can learn our system and we can get good at our system, then our talent can take over. Less thinking equals talent take over. But we need to have systems in place, and we will have systems in place to do so.
1: Uh, I gotta make a note to remind myself to do that because I'll fucking forget. Uh, but what a, I mean, basically, re- it, you know, you remember when Tiger Woods had that whole speech after his like sex scandal <laughs> oh. when he was re- he was looking down and reading from a paper like behind the podium, his
2: moms in the crowd like. Do you remember that, like, oh,
1: 2009, 2010?
2: That I, – I don't know which one was more painful, but that is – I'm so glad you brought that up. That was one of the best – that's one of the best, like, most – from best, I mean one of the most awkward and most painful things I've ever had to watch. I'll so, say that. So,
1: to, to me, this the United press conference, obviously he's not talking about cheating on his wife and crashing his car and getting a DUI and things like that, but – uh, read, legitimately, reads from a sheet, reads the same sentence like three times in a row. Uh, you know, if it's fine if you're nervous. I understand that. You're talking to a franchise for, for the first time. You know, you're a relatively young guy. It's a new city, it's a big responsibility. There's only 32 coaches in the world who are head coaches of football teams. But to me, buddy, like, I don't know if, if you know, Jeffrey Lurie, Howie, Howie Roseman, you know, didn't get that vibe. But if, if you can't talk to the media, uh, I don't know if I trust you talking to my team in the locker room. And certainly I'd probably shit my pants talking to the Philadelphia media. I know how cruel and, and harsh they can be, but buddy, like if that's your intro press conference, when that's arguably the, the I, I don't want to say happiest that fans are going to be, but maybe that's when they hope they hold you in the highest regard until you obviously get on the field week one, maybe you probably should rethink your
2: decision to accept the head coaching position, but that's
1: just my thoughts.
2: No, it's, it's, you can't, you can't defend, uh, Serrini, maybe it won't matter if I mispronounce it. Seriani, yeah. Italian guy. Sounds um, like but, the
1: Siragusa guy who used to be on the sidelines and then he was in like the
2: Pens commercials and shit like that. Hey, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Tony Siragusa, long time. Reign. Shout out to shout guy's out to, the man. To, yeah. No problem with that guy. But, uh, Zero I do issue. have a problem with, with Serini Whatever it is, um, you know, it just—I mean, I think that the one thing that stood out to me—I—I I kind of forget that press conference a little bit, but uh, you know, thinking back, the one—the one thing he—he he kept saying, or he kept kind of like glazing over. He—he he would say like, you know, we're gonna make things difficult for other teams, but very simple for us. Or it, it was just like, yeah, he, he said it like three times long.
1: in a row. It was weird,
2: right? Yeah, he was just like all over the place with that idea, like that he was stuck on that idea. Like he needs to tell people that our offense is going to be simple for us, but very difficult for other teams. Like just, just keep it more short and concise. Like don't, don't even go go into specifics. Like, right. just
1: say, Hey man, we're going to, we're going to put a competitive team on the field. We're going to be tough to play against. And hopefully this team rally, but like, don't even like, just give it one to two minutes and get out of there. Don't even go into detail.
2: No, the, the more you, especially with you know today's media and, and everything else like the more you talk the more you're gonna especially you know you bring up the Philadelphia news media they're gonna twist your words they're gonna, yeah. always they're gonna try and they're gonna try and put you in a position where you you say the wrong thing or sound stupid and and to be frank like he sounded pretty pretty stupid throughout that whole press conference and, and he just I get it like he's nervous I, I get nervous over a lot smaller things in my life but at the same at the same time just like you said, keep it short, keep it concise, just go up there and say, you know, we're, I'm going to coach this team to the best of my ability to win games every week. I would have been fine with that. It was, it was just like, dude, take a, take a chill pill. Don't say it, say so much. I, I think he'll get better at that. I, I think he can only get better at that from what I saw. So, you know, I get it. I get the nervousness, but uh, one of the, probably one of the worst press conference, opening press conferences ever and you know, that doesn't really signify uh, so much confidence uh, going forward. But I just for some reason have my hopes high with, with this uh, transition. I just will forever want Howie Rosen fired. It, and the day that happens is, is the day I, I really start to feel better about this organization. But like like we said already, you know, he, he's invincible and he can make every every bad draft pick for the next Ten years, and it feels like it doesn't matter at all. So I did. I did hear that he's getting a little bit less responsibility when it comes to the draft, but who knows if that's even true? Because I know uh, Howie Roseman and him are like buddy buddy. So just a little insight.
1: Hey, anytime we get insight on the podcast, you know I love it, Aaron. Um, yeah, man, that's a, that's a great show, listeners. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. Uh, that brings this football season, the 2020, 2021 football season, due to an end. Certainly a crazy year, obviously with COVID uh you know we'll be back obviously uh, I think if the league year opens up in about a month that means free agency will shortly be on the horizon after that draft talk after that as well but uh, certainly some quarterback movement for us to analyze as we go throughout the next few weeks we'll certainly bring that to you each week on this podcast uh production note behind the scenes note uh we're getting cameras we're getting mics so Hopefully my audio sounds a little bit better. Amazon and Jeff Bezos screwed Aaron this week. They're going to get his stuff to him next week. So hopefully the production value of this podcast and going into year two is significantly increased. We're going to try to do some stuff with videos, some YouTube stuff as well. Uh, just overall increasing the production value here at Brutally Honest Sports and this corporation. So uh, taking this, this thing to the moon, we're going to the moon. And after that, we're going to Mars with uh, – <laughs> face Elon Musk, uh, so
2: there you go. Nice. So, uh,
1: it, it'll be oh, good, yeah. but uh, appreciate it. And Aaron, why don't you take us home?
2: Yeah, as always, you know, we've we've kind of been you know here, there at times with, with our with our podcast, and, and I'll take most of that to the chin, but uh, we will uh, you know, we will keep improving the podcast, keep keep the frequency up, and uh, you know, like Dan said, I mean, adding video, adding uh, you know, different elements to, to the show, and Obviously, we'll we'll get into other sports here, as as other sports are going to be the the dominant uh, dominant topics um, from, for a couple couple months here, and then obviously the free agency draft and everything else
0: will start taking place. But I'm excited to see where where this goes, and I'm appreciative of everybody that listened, and we just try to bring you our our two cents, and, and we don't really hold back when it comes to you know profanity and things like that. So hopefully. Everybody can appreciate that. Um, If you can't, then I guess you should listen. So that's (laughs) about all, all I got.
1: I love it. Take us home.